Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Thank you for that. Well, anybody excited about the month of November? Amen. Amen. Well, you know, this is where me and Pastor Craig differ on uh, weather, but um, where we don't differ is we're excited about this new series titled Spiritual Warfare. Amen. And I am honored to uh, kick it off this week. And I want to turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2, beginning in verse 2. In fact, I'm going to look at one passage of Scripture as the Apostle Paul writes to a young minister, Timothy, and he begins to speak on this theme regarding spiritual warfare and the reality of its existence and things that are taking place in Timothy's life, things that are taking place in Timothy's ministry, and how it connects to spiritual warfare. But beginning in 2 Timothy, I'm going to begin in verse 1. Paul says... To Timothy, you therefore my son. Now, Timothy wasn't his physical son, but Timothy was his spiritual son. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Verse 3, you therefore must endure Hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Verse 8, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with Eternal glory. I want to teach a message today simply called Worthy War. Will you say that with me? Worthy War. And I'd like to pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus Christ is victorious. I thank you that he is seated at your right hand. We just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take the reality of his victory, the truth regarding this spiritual war, and you would apply it to every heart and every mind, every life, to every home. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would make much of Jesus Christ, much of his finished work, that you would cause us to sense his love, his victory, his kingdom here today. We pray that your word would run swiftly. I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit. Acknowledge my need for you to be the voice behind the voice, the strength behind my strength, your hand upon and behind my hand, and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice what Paul tells Timothy. 
He says in verse 4, no one engaged in warfare. The first thing you need to understand is there is a war. There is a war. And being that there's a war, Paul says secondly to Timothy, Timothy, you are a soldier. You are a soldier. See, we first need to be aware. We need to be aware that there is a war. We need to be aware that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you are a soldier. The first important thing regarding this theme of spiritual warfare is that each of us, we need an awareness. An awareness that there is a war. In fact, the goal of the enemy, the goal of the enemy in the war is that people would not even be aware that there is a war. God revealed to the prophet Hosea, Hosea 4, 6, he said, My people are not destroyed for this or that. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's called a lack of awareness. Unfortunately, so many homes, so many marriages, so many families, so many individuals, so many purposes of God for and in people are being destroyed because there's a lack of an awareness. So up front today, the Holy Spirit would want us to see in Scripture, as Paul's writing to Timothy, that we would be aware and accept that there is a war. Secondly, that Timothy's a soldier, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a soldier also. You're a soldier in this war. Now this war isn't a physical war, though it takes place in a physical world. This is a spiritual war. But nevertheless, there is a war. Timothy is a soldier. But notice number three, Paul wants him to be a good soldier. You know what that means? It means we not only need to be aware that there is a war, we need to not only be aware that if we're followers of Jesus Christ, we're a soldier in this war, whether we like it or not. We sort of live in a culture where we seek not to accept the reality of how things are. Am I right? We live in a culture where people are born in the image of God as a man, and yet they are unwilling to what? To accept the design of God for them. Women are born in the image of God as a woman, and yet they are unwilling to be aware and accept that fact. We live in a culture that is not wanting to acknowledge, to live with an awareness of such facts. And the fact that Paul says to Timothy that he wants him to be a good soldier means this. Not every soldier is a good soldier. Not every soldier is a good soldier. If it was automatic, if it was guaranteed that you as a follower of Jesus Christ would be a good soldier, that you would be a good participant in what is taking place on the earth, then Paul wouldn't have that desire for Timothy to be a good soldier. There would be no need to say that. But the fact that he says that means there are many people here today, there are many that are watching my live stream, there are many soldiers that are a part of this world, followers of Jesus Christ, but they're not good soldiers. We need an awareness. I need an awareness. You need an awareness. We need an awareness as a church that we might not today be a good soldier. A good soldier. A lot of people don't want to be alert or aware to the reality of circumstances because when we become aware of things, we begin to see the gap 
right? We begin to see where we could be, but where we're actually, where we actually are. The good news is, is that there is grace. That's why there in 2 Timothy verse 1, Paul mentions the grace that can be found in Jesus Christ. That some of you today are going to become aware. You're becoming aware right now. That there's more than just to life. That things that you've been through, that there is more behind what just happened in the natural. That there is a spiritual war behind that. And because of that war and because of things that happen, that you have been immobilized or you have been put in a pit or a, a position or a posture where you're not a good soldier. But there is grace in Jesus Christ to take you where you might become aware you're at today to where God would desire you to be as a good soldier. What am I saying? I'm saying that maybe the sun has went down on many nights in your life, but there's still grace today. That maybe for many seasons you've not been aware of the battle, you've not been even engaged in the battle, you've not even known that you were a soldier, much less are you a good soldier, but there's still grace. His mercy is still new. Today is a new day, a day of salvation, that God of all grace can give us a new start as soldiers and followers of Jesus Christ. So up front, we need to be aware. Say, Jesus. Come on, say it with me. Say, Jesus, make me aware. We need to be aware there is a war. We need to be aware that life is more than just life. We need an awareness as a follower of Jesus Christ, that we are soldiers. We need an awareness that not all are good soldiers. Fourthly, we see in this passage, to be a good soldier, he must endure hardship. Notice what Paul said in verse 3. He told Timothy, he said, you therefore must endure hardship if you're going to be a good soldier. And it's not just Timothy who must endure hardship to be a good soldier. It's you and I, if we're going to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, must endure Hardship. Hardships come. Difficulties come. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are not removed from the reality of the hardships of life. In fact, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we not only have the hardships of life, but we also are going to have the hardships regarding this spiritual war. This is why you growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord is so important. Because as a soldier of Jesus Christ, you're not just going to deal with the common issues of life like other people on the earth, but you're going to deal with circumstances that are related to the battle you find yourself in as a follower and as a soldier of Jesus Christ. And when we talk about hardships in this war, there are three areas I want to mention up front where hardships come. It's physical, it's emotional, circumstantial. It's physical, emotional, and circumstantial. There's going to be physical hardships that come. There's going to be emotional hardships that come. There are going to be circumstantial hardships that come. And what is going to make a major difference on whether you are able to endure the hardships as a good soldier, here it is. What are you aspiring to? In order to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, if he's the Lord and leader of your life, listen, you have to aspire to be a good soldier. 
No one becomes a good soldier by not aspiring to be a good soldier. No one just happily falls into being a good soldier. The question you got to ask yourself today in the presence of God's light, in His presence, is what am I aspiring to? Am I aspiring to be a normal soldier? Am I aspiring just to be an ordinary soldier? Am I aspiring to be a soldier that's not a good soldier? Or am I aspiring to be a good soldier? If you don't have aspirations to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, then that means there's going to be hardships that come physically, emotionally, and circumstantially. And without that aspiration to be a good soldier, you won't press through. You won't stay engaged. You'll disconnect. You'll become weary and well-doing, as Paul talks about in Galatians 6, that we should not get weary and well-doing. In due time, we'll reap physical, physical hardships. Anybody ever dealt with physical hardships? You ever had sickness come? Did you know that in the Bible, there's what's called a spirit of infirmity? That not all sickness just finds its root in natural circumstances, but there is a spirit of infirmity. There are people that they find themselves dealing consistently with physical sickness, unordinary sickness, consistently being attacked physically. We got to understand that we're in a war, and it's very possible that when we deal with physical issues and physical hardships that behind the physical hardships could be a spirit of infirmity sought to bring hardships. Now, if you aspire to be a good soldier, that means you aspire to not allow the physical hardships to keep you from God's plan and purpose for your life. Do you know that there's more people that will fight you over God's desire for you to be physically healthy so you can be a good soldier than many more things. There are people that will fight you. There are people that will fight to defend their right to have physical hardships and to stay sick. The issue is, is if you really believe God wants you to stay sick, then why do we go see a doctor? Why do we take medicine? If you really believe that there's physical hardships that God wants to have on, in your life, to be sick, then why then do we seek the answer and the cure? But understand, be alert today, be aware today, acknowledge today that there are times where physical hardships come and it's because you're in a spiritual war. But not just physical, there's emotional. There's emotional hardships because in a battle, a lot of difficult things happen. And we're on an earth that is in a spiritual battle. And because there's a spiritual battle, there's a lot of tragedies that happen. And the tragedies bring hardships to our emotions as we see people being hit in this war. We see people that are being taken out in this war. We see people that are suffering because of this war. We find friends and family and acquaintances that are going through difficulties because of this war. And it brings what? It brings emotional hardships. The war brings at times great anxieties and complexities in our soul. You read through the Psalms. What do you find? You find that the psalmist 
expresses the reality of seasons and circumstances in their life where their soul had a multitude of anxieties. Their soul had a multitude of fears. What is that? That's called emotional hardships. Emotional hardships. But not just emotional hardships and physical hardships, but also circumstantial hardships. In fact, I was late today because of an unforeseen circumstance. I got out of the shower and was starting to get ready, and I felt itchy. Some of my Hispanic and African-American brothers and sisters, it's not just you. Uh, this white Caucasian gets some ashy skin as well. And uh, I thought, man, my skin, because of the change of weather, I thought my skin's getting ashy. I looked down, and I have, I have grown a fur coat. I had hairs like this all over my body. And what had happened was, is my wife used my towel. So I asked her to go get me a new towel. Well, somehow the new towel she got from the closet was not a new clean towel. It was actually the towel that just a week ago I used to catch the clippings of my hair because I give myself a haircut. So I just came out of the shower. I've been drying myself with this towel, and I have just pasted hair all over my entire body. I mean, I just became a woolly mammoth like that. Chia pet, boom, like that. So I had to enter back into the shower and do it again. That's called circumstances. There's hardships. And circumstances come to try to forget that we're in a war, that we need to be alert, that we have a purpose, that we're a soldier, that we have a role, that we have an assignment, and to keep us from being engaged in what God has for us as a soldier of Jesus Christ. To make small things cause us to forget the major thing that we're in a spiritual war. A spiritual war. The fifth thing you need to see in this passage is to be a good soldier, he must be engaged. Paul tells Timothy, if you want to be a good soldier, you must be a soldier that's engaged. It's no different for you. It's no different than me. It's no different from us here today. That if you want to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ in this war that is taking place, then you have to be engaged. Notice what he says. Read it with me in verse 4. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. He says, if you want to be a good soldier, then you got to stay engaged. And he tells you things that will try to keep you from being engaged in the purpose that you have as a follower of Jesus Christ. He calls them affairs. He says that there are affairs of this life. And such affairs are sought to be used by the enemy to divert your heart. So we have to ask ourselves... Am I allowing affairs to divert me or am I keeping an aspiration to be a good soldier? See, the affairs of this life is trying to divert you from being a good soldier. And you got to have a greater aspiration for the purpose of God that he has for you in Christ than the affairs of this life. He says that there are affairs of this life that seek to entangle you. When you talk about spiritual warfare, you got to understand that sometimes... You bring self-infliction on yourself. You bring self-infliction on yourself. In fact, Caleb and I was watching the show uh, Gold Rush the other day, and it, it gave a, a little fact that 
the gold in these, these mountains where they were digging, that they first found gold there because there were three men on a journey. And one of the men shot himself in the foot. <laughs> and so now they can't move on the journey, and they're there waiting, the two friends, for the other one to get healed. And they said, well, while we wait for him to get better, let's start digging. And they started digging and found in gold. But notice this person had a self-inflicted wound. And oftentimes, we want to blame the devil when it's no. We are allowing the affairs of our heart to divert us from aspiring to be a good soldier. You read 1 Timothy 6. It says the love of money will cause you to pierce yourself. doesn't say God will judge you. doesn't say the enemy will come in. It says that you will pierce yourself. There's all kinds of things in Scripture that says that if you allow them in your life, it's not God coming in and, and messing with you. It's not even the enemy. You yourself are bringing harm. So when we talk about staying engaged, you got to first understand that you have a role in your personal discipleship. You have a role in allowing yourself to grow into the image of Jesus Christ so that you don't allow the common affairs of this life to divert you. Because listen to me, we're not just dealing with the affairs of this life, but we're also dealing with supernatural powers in this war. In this war. Why are things after your heart? Because your heart affects your focus. Your focus affects the faith in the heard word of the Lord to you. Your heart affects your friendships. Your heart affects your family. Your heart affects you fanning into flame the spiritual gift of God on the inside of you. Let me ask you, do you aspire to be a good soldier and endure hardships today? Do you aspire to be a good soldier and to be engaged in the battle? Listen to me, engaged soldiers are less susceptible than soldiers that are passive. Listen, a passive believer will never be a good soldier. Passive meaning you just let allow the affairs of this life. You just allow physical and emotional, circumstantial things to just put whatever they want into your heart and you just accept it. You just stay passive. Listen, a passive believer will never be a good soldier. You know why? Because it's easier to be shot standing still than to be engaged in the battle. Ask King David. King David is standing on the balcony and he's not moving. Everybody else is engaged in the battle. Everybody else is at the war. But David is in a moment of passivity. He's not engaged with, with everybody else in the battle. And he's standing on his balcony and he sees a naked woman called Bathsheba. And he falls. You know why? Because it's easier to stumble and to be shot when you're passive and when you're not engaged. When you're not moving. See, in this war, the enemy is after your heart. He's after your heart. He is after your heart. You got to be aware of what's taking place. You got to aspire to be a good soldier, but you also need to be alert. 
that the enemy is after your heart. He wants to use physical, emotional, circumstantial affairs of this life to get a hold of your heart. In fact, I was coming home from ministering Friday and stopped to vote early. And right before I got to my house, I saw a state sale sign. And so I pulled in real quick. And I went to this estate sale and I was walking around. And I believe they have a picture that they can uh, put up that I took as I went into the yard of this estate sale. Maybe. Here we go. And I saw this in the back. Now, estate sale, you got to understand, means that the person who was there has passed away. And in the backyard at this estate sale was a swing. And it said, don't let the weeds grow around your dreams. Well, what stuck out to me is that there's weeds growing on the message. But the only reason there's weeds growing on the message is because this person had departed. The war's over for them. They're in a moment of whether they were a good soldier, not even a soldier at all, or a bad soldier. What does it say? It says you got to stay engaged if you want to be a good soldier. you you got to understand that this life and the enemy is after your heart. And Jesus said your heart is like a garden. It's where weeds can grow. And those weeds will begin to cause the dream of God for your life to not be able to come to fruition. Those weeds will begin to distract you for God's dream for you, just like Paul had a dream for Timothy, to be a good soldier in this war of following Jesus Christ. you got to understand that you got to be alert to how things are trying to get in your heart, how weeds are trying to grow, how it's trying to divert you from the dream of being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Listen, don't let the weeds grow around your heart, around your dreams. Be aware. Have the right aspiration to be a good soldier. Be alert that you're in a spiritual war. Then there's more than just what you see in the natural actually taking place. That there can be more to the physical things that come in your life. There can be more than to the emotional things that come in your life. There can be more to the circumstantial things that come in your life. See, Jesus said the heart's like a garden. It's like a soil where... The kingdom of God can begin to grow and increase and lead to fruitfulness. When you think about your heart and how the enemy wants to use what's taking place to get a hold of your heart, he wants to get a hold of your heart because your heart determines your focus. And an unfocused soldier can't be a good soldier. See, in Matthew 13 and 21, Jesus, when he's talking about the heart and he's talking about these things, he says, Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. He says also in that text that that there are cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches that choke the word. The affairs of this life, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches is trying to choke the word in your life. You know what that is? That's called a soldier without enough breath. The word of God being choked in you is a soldier that doesn't have enough breath to stay engaged. Enough breath to stay focused. You ever, uh, you ever wrestle with friends? And uh, you let it go, you know, you had parameters, but you allowed some chokeholds up to a certain extent. And uh, that, 
there was no tapping out. Well, what happens is you get choked out. That means you lose consciousness for a couple seconds. Unfortunately, we were dumb enough. We used to do that to ourselves on purpose. That was dumb. We used to pass ourselves out on purpose, not wise. But when you, when you don't have enough breath, your ability to con- stay conscious and focused on the task becomes impossible. And cares of this life and deceitfulness of riches and things that are after your heart begin to choke you and you lose your breath and then you lose your ability to stay focused that you're in a war, that you're a soldier. And there's no guarantee that you're a good soldier in this war. But not only are things after your heart because your heart affects your focus, but things are after your heart because it's in your heart where faith in the heard word of your commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, is created. When you hear the Lord speak to you, when you hear the word of the chief commander, Jesus Christ, speak to you, he is the author of your faith. But things are after your heart because it's trying to get you to let, hold, to let go of the faith that the Lord has created about a circumstance in your life. That's what we read there in Matthew 13, 21. It says, when tribulation or persecution arise, watch this, because of the word. You know what that means? It means every time the Lord speaks to you and communicates to you and reveals something to you, you have now a word of promise. You have a word of light, a a word of clarity, a word of understanding, a word of wisdom. Listen, do you know what that word's going to attract? Tribulation and persecution. This is why we should understand we're in the war, and this is why we should not be surprised when after the Lord speaks to us, after the Lord promised something to us, after the Lord communicates something to us, that then we find ourselves experiencing sometimes the very opposite of what the Lord spoke to us. Why? Because the word attracts tribulation and persecution. You know why? Because the tribulation and persecution is trying to get you to let go of your confession of faith regarding what the Lord spoke to you. The tribulation and persecution is trying to get you to believe more in what's happening now than the one who promised and is able to bring it to pass despite the circumstances and the things that's coming in your life. But you know what engaged soldiers are doing? Engaged soldiers are listening to the chief commander. Do you know you showing up here today as a person, whether you realize it or not, saying, I want to be a good soldier? I want to be a soldier that is engaged? Do you want to know why one of the most selfish things a soldier can do is not be a part of a local community or a local company of the chief commander, Jesus Christ? Because listen, you might try to be in a lone sniper, and you might try to snipe in this spiritual war 40 enemies or, or 40 of the enemies in your lifetime. But listen, there's no sniper that can defeat some strongholds by themselves. They might get, be able to, to snipe out a couple soldiers of the enemy, but they sure can't deal with fortresses in a city. They sure can't by themselves deal with major darkness like abortion and injustice and, and poverty and things in a city. And so the chief commander says, no, you got to get in the company, in the assembly of other brothers and other sisters so that we can hear the word of the the commander to the community of what he wants to do through us and in us for the hurting people around us that is in a war that they're not even aware of and they are being oppressed and they are being afflicted. But we come together to hear the word of the Lord, 
to stay engaged. Do you know the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, there's a purpose for every season. There's a purpose for this season at dwelling place. There is a purpose that the commander-in-chief has for us in this season. And when we show up, we're saying, Lord, I want to be engaged as a good soldier in your purpose for this season for this company of soldiers. Company of soldiers. But you know what else? It's trying to happen in your heart. Not only to divert your focus and your faith in the heard word, but it's also after friendships. Do you know Jesus only called his apostles? He only called them friends right before his scourging, his crucifixion, his death, resurrection, ascension. He says, it's because you've remained with me. You've obeyed and followed me that you're no longer a servant. You're now my friend. Friend. Friends that are engaged in this war. Because there's no one you want to fight next to you than a friend who's engaged in the overall mission and call and purpose of God. But the enemy and things are after our heart because if it can get after our heart, it can begin to affect our friendships. And if it affects our friendships, it affects us staying locked in arms fighting the main battle together. It's after friendships. Not only is it after friendships, the enemy is after families. It's after families. The enemy seeks to attack the family unit because those are the ones who are closest to us normally. Which means it begins to cause us to experience the greatest amount of emotional discomfort. It begins to bring about the most possible possibility of being distracted, those closest to us. Because we're in this battle. That's why in Ephesians 4, look at 1 through 6, look at this with me. It says, walk worthy. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Notice what he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I, Paul, am writing to you, the church in Ephesus, to walk worthy of the calling, to keep the unity of the Spirit, to keep the bond of peace, because without the unity of the Spirit, without the bond of the peace, then you all, as a company, under the high commander-in-chief Jesus Christ, will not be able to walk worthy in this war. To walk worthy in it. Listen to me. In war, the possibility of friendly fire is a real danger. When we are in a war and our emotions are intensified and the battle is raging and and. All is taking place. When we're in that state, listen, sometimes mistakes are made how we treat friends. Sometimes mistakes are made how we treat each other. Sometimes mistakes are made how we communicate to one another. Listen to me. And that friendly fire, it hurts. But here's what you got to remember because some of you have been hurt by friendly fire. Because there's the times where we're intensive. 
because we're in a war and, and the Lord wants to use us to reach people and to reach a city and to make disciples of all nations. And sometimes in that intensity, we step on each other's feet. We say things in a wrong spirit or too aggressive. But listen to me. You know how you get over friendly fire? You stay engaged because engaged soldiers remember the mission is greater than their temporary hurt emotions. See, engaged soldiers realize, yes, I just got some friendly fire. Yes, someone close to me didn't, didn't acknowledge me, didn't honor me, didn't speak to me kind, didn't walk lowly of mind to me. But listen, the overall mission is greater than my temporary hurt, my temporary emotions. See, engaged soldiers realize I'm not going to let friendly fire keep me from staying engaged in the mission. In fact, Proverbs says that it is your glory to learn to overlook transgressions. It is your glory as a soldier to overlook when some brothers and sisters in the heat of the battle and they're excited about the mission and they're excited about what God's doing or they're going through a big battle themselves and therefore they're overwhelmed emotionally. It's to your glory to overlook the transgressions of friendly fire. Why? Because the mission is greater than my temporary hurt feelings. The mission is greater than temporary words that someone said in a wrong spirit. The mission of Jesus Christ is greater. See, it's soldiers that don't stay engaged that begin to camp out in bitterness and anger and disappointment for so many seasons. But engaged soldiers say, yeah, it hurt. Yeah, I wish they would have walked worthy in that moment towards me. But because of the battle, because of the mission of Jesus Christ, because of his vision for us as a community is bigger than my temporary feelings, I'm able to get up I'm able to let the blood of Jesus wash that stuff all off of me, and I'm able to stay engaged in the calling to be a good soldier. Can I hear an amen? amen? It's the same in the family. I still love my wife right now after she baptized me in my own hair. <laughs> but you know what else of why the enemy's after your heart? Because he gets after your heart, you won't fan into flame the spiritual gift that God's given you. Notice in 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul told Timothy, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir it up. In fact, when Paul tells Timothy to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus in order to be a good soldier, do you know one of the ways to be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ is to keep your spiritual gift, your grace gift stirred up. You know why a lot of people no longer stay engaged and no longer endure hardships as a good soldier? Because they don't keep their spiritual gifts stirred up. When you keep your spiritual gifts stirred up, you're keeping the grace that's in Christ Jesus stirred up in your life. You look at Joseph's life. Joseph had brothers that, that threw him in a pit, was going to kill him, then they sold him into slavery. But everywhere you find Joseph going, you know what he did? He kept his gifts stirred up. And that gift kept him to endure as a good soldier. That gift kept him engaged that there's a bigger purpose that God has for my life. He didn't camp out. He didn't complain. He stayed engaged and he endured. Keep your spiritual gift. Start up. If you don't know your gift, that's why you got to get in a community. That's why you got to get around some five-fold ministers that can equip you to understand your gift, to show you where you fit in the company of believers, in the company of a local church. Your role and what God has for you. But then notice in this passage in 2 Timothy 2.5, Paul tells T Timothy, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Six, to be a good soldier, 
You must understand the rules of war. There are rules to this war. Listen, if there were not rules, then the Apostle Peter would not have said in 1 Peter 5, 8. Look at this, 1 Peter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Listen, if there were no rules, then the devil would be able to devour anyone. But he can't. You know why he can't devour anyone? Because there are rules in this spiritual war. The devil is going about looking for someone who according to the rules of war, he can devour. He can begin to devour. That's why it says he's looking for whom he may devour. You don't want to be one of those people. You don't have to be one of those people. Did you know that there's only one primary defense mechanism that God gave sheep? And God uses the imagery of sheep to refer to us as followers of Jesus Christ. He is the great shepherd of the sheep. You know there's only one main defense mechanism for sheep? You want to know what it is? To huddle together. You want to know the quickest way to get devoured? You want to know the first person the devil's looking for when he's walking to and fro who he can devour? He's looking for the one sheep who's off by himself. That one person that thinks I can just be a sniper, just me and Jesus, and have a role in this war. No, no, no. The devil seeks to alienate you. He seeks to isolate you. He seeks to make you believe that no one understands where you've been, been, what you've went through, that no one can understand your current trials that's coming physically or emotional circumstances. He tries to alienate you in your heart, alienate you in your position, and to get you by yourself. That's how he seeks to devour. But you know, in the rules of war, another rule is that God is not going to do all the resisting for you when the fiery dart of the enemy comes. Some people think that in this spiritual war, that God's got to do everything. That's not how he's set up. In James 4, the scripture says, no, you submit to God, you resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. It doesn't say that God will resist him for you. He says, you submit to God, you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Paul said in Ephesians 4, 27, give no place to the devil, give no foothold. What does that mean? It means you cannot just passively accept what comes in your life. There has to be a resisting of the enemy. In Ephesians 6, Paul didn't say that God would put on the armor of God for you. He said, you got to put on the armor of God. Then number seven, he is to commit the good thing to people. Paul tells Timothy, there's a war. You're a soldier. My hope is you would be a good soldier. If you're going to be a good soldier, you've got to endure hardship. You must stay engaged in the battle. You must be alert how the enemy wants to get into your heart. You've got to be aware of what's taking place. You've got to understand the rules of war. And then you're to commit the good thing to people. What this means is, is God is after people. But people are in the world. People are in the battlefield. But as a good soldier, you are called to commit 
The plan of God, the heart of God, the word of God, the love of God, the compassion of God, the mercy of God to people. But people are in the world. And 1 John 5, 19 says, all of the world is under the sway of the evil one. That means our calling as a good soldier is to go to people, but the people are on the battlefield. The people are under the sway of the evil one. And here's the thing you got to understand. Is the enemy is defeated, but he's not yet subdued. Look at Colossians 2 and 15. Colossians 2 and 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Jesus Christ, when he was raised from the dead, it was God displaying that all of the principalities and powers, all of Satan and his kingdom, have been absolutely disarmed. They don't have the right to rule over mankind anymore. That God has made a way through the finished work of Jesus Christ for the wrongs of men to be made right, for those that are unrighteous to become righteous, that those who have made themselves an enemy to God can now become a child of God, that where there have been enmity in our hearts against God, that Jesus became the peace. Notice he has Disarm them. But look at Hebrews 2, 89. Because though he's disarmed the enemy, the enemy has not yet been subdued. You have put all things in subjection under his, Jesus' feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. His name's the name above every name. Jesus has authority over everything. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. But we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Notice that. Jesus is Lord over everything. The kingdom of God is here, but we do not yet see the enemies of our Lord yet submitted to the fact that they're defeated and to his victory. That's why you are called a soldier. Because you are to go and to be used of God to apply and to enforce the victory that Jesus has already won. For hurting people, deceived people, broken people. So the enemy is defeated, but he's not yet subdued. And therefore, because he's not yet subdued, he manipulates people. That's why Ephesians 6.12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That means some of the things that's happening in your relationships, you got to understand, the enemy manipulates people. He uses... Deception is manipulation to get them to do wrong things, to influence them to wrong beliefs, to wrong choices. And you think people don't just like you, but you got to understand, no, it's the enemy manipulating them to try to make them not like you. But though the enemy has people under his sway, though the enemy manipulates people, listen, God greatly desires them. He loves them. He longs for them. Second. Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, We know that when Jesus died, he died for all. Therefore, the love of Christ compels us. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but him who died and rose for them. Notice, Jesus died for all. He desires people. You know who he wants to use to reach those people that Jesus died for? His soldiers. Good soldiers. Engaged soldiers. Enduring soldiers. Now here is the simplified agricultural framework of spiritual warfare. Here's the simple version. If you get nothing else. In John 10, Jesus said clearly, Jesus comes to bring life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
Jesus is the good shepherd. He comes to bring life. But the enemy, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus brings us into community with his body, his sheepfold, to bring life. But listen, the enemy, who's called the wolf, brings us off to ourselves to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is the good shepherd. The enemy's the wolf. And Jesus wants to bring life. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. What does all this mean? It means, listen, because we're in a war and because God desires people, and yet the people are being manipulated and influenced by the enemy, though he's defeated but not subdued, then this means as you, as a good soldier, go to do what you're called to do, to commit the pattern of sound teaching, the understanding of who God is as revealed in Christ to people, listen, that each relationship becomes a potential battlefront. Each relationship becomes a potential battlefront. You and your relationship to another person becomes a potential battlefront. Why? Because this war is about mankind. That God loves his creation, though they all have turned aside, though they all have begun to seek their own desires, though all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, though all have fell, fall under the enemy and his manipulation, his deception, that God desires people. And as we as good soldiers who are going to endure hardships and are going to be engaged in the war for people that God made in his image, but that image has been marred and covered up because of sin, as we go and begin to enter into relationships, Relationships with people, that that relationship becomes a potential battlefront because the enemy will try to work through them to get you to no longer endure the hardship and no longer stay engaged in revealing Christ through your words and your deeds and your actions to that person. Here's what you got to understand. is that because we're engaged for people and the enemy works through people, deceased people, it leads to relational pain. And I want to end this by asking one question. Is the suffering worth it? Is it worth it to be an engaged soldier? Is it worth it to be a good soldier? Is it worth it to be a soldier that endures? What the enemy sends into you, your life physically, your life emotionally, your life circumstantially, because God has called you as a good soldier to commit Jesus Christ, to commit the Word of God, to commit the pattern of sound teaching to other people that Jesus died for. Is the suffering that will come as you seek to be used of the great shepherd to seek and to save that which is lost? Is the suffering worth it? Well, look at 2 Timothy 2.9. Look what it says. Paul says, for which I suffer. I suffer because we're in the war. I suffer because I want to be a good soldier to rescue people that God are after. For which I suffer, suffer trouble as an evildoer. You'll be misunderstood. Because the devil will cause people to misunderstand you. He says, I, I've been considered an evildoer and causing trouble even to the point that they've locked me up. But the Word of God's not locked up. Jesus' love for the people is not locked up. Paul is suffering because he's being used as a good soldier. 
to cause people to come into the loving arms of their Creator through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is this suffering worthy? Even if it went and brought us to chains? We'll look at 2 Timothy 2.4. Paul believed it was worth it. The Holy Spirit will cause you to believe it's worth it. The love of God will compel you to believe that it's worth it because 2 Timothy 2.4 says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Is the suffering worth it? It is if you want to please the one who enlisted you in the war on the side of love, on the side of grace, on the side of truth, on the side of mercy, Jesus Christ. The suffering is worth it. That there's people, there's neighbors, there's people in your family, there's people at your job, there's co-workers that God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, to die for. And as a good soldier, you go because you, to fulfill your purpose, have to commit the truths of God's love to them. But that relationship creates the possibility for relational pain in a battle front. Is that suffering worth it? The rejection worth it? Keep being kind when they're unkind. Is it worth it? Yes. Yes, if you want to please the one who enlisted you as a good soldier. Not only that, but in 2 Timothy 2.10, he says, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Is the suffering you're experiencing because you're in relationships with people that are being used of the enemy, manipulated by the enemy, and yet God loves them and Jesus died for them? Is that suffering worthy? It is if you don't think about yourself, but you think about it's for them to possibly come to faith in Jesus Christ and be one that is elect and transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light through responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ correctly. Is the suffering worth it? It is for the one who enlisted you. It is for the sake of others. And lastly, it is for the sake of the spiritual warfare. Go to Ephesians 3, 9 and 11. you got to understand that God created the church through the finished work of Jesus Christ that through us He would make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, Christ in us, the hope of glory, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent for the purpose that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, by the soldiers, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. You understand that that relational pain, that that battlefront of being used to reveal the Good Shepherd's heart for them, that it's not just displaying the love of God and the wisdom of God to that which is seen. But listen, demon principalities and powers are seeing the wisdom of God. How God is using humans to reach other humans with His glorious gospel. You read the book of Job? It wasn't just about Job. It was about that there is a, a bigger context of this spiritual war. And Job went through some suffering. To show demon principality, Satan himself. That Job thought it was worthy to suffer as one enlisted into the army because he found the one who enlisted him more valuable, a greater prize, a greater treasure than any of the discomfort that he's experienced in this spiritual war. Can I tell some of you that there's been some discomfort because you're in a spiritual war, but if you'll get your eyes on Jesus Christ, if you'll get your eyes on the pearl of great price, if you'll get your eyes on the one that enlisted you through his cross, death, burial, and resurrection, that you'll sing that song like Rita Springer, it's going to be worth it in the end. It's going to be worth it all. If that's you and you want to stay aware of what's taking place, if 
you want to have the right aspirations to be a good soldier, if you want to stay alert of how the enemy's after your heart to keep you from being engaged, I want, as we worship, to stand. And I want you to say, here am I, Lord. Start with me. Go ahead as we begin to sing. I want you to stand. I want you to make it a declaration. As you stand and begin to worship, they're going to bring the elements of communion. Because as we're in this war, Jesus, the chief, the commander, he's given us something. He's given the table of fellowship. He's given us an opportunity to remember his death, to remember that though our current suffering, regarding, regardless of our physical and circumstantial and emotional affliction currently, that his death has achieved all the possibility of being saved, and that in the end, the suffering to see others come to know His love and grace is worth it. And the Bible says as often as you do this, you do in remembrance of His death. That His death is so that all can be saved. His death is so that all can be forgiven. As you worship, you can come and take the elements. Remember His love for people that the suffering and our relationships of reaching others is worth it. Again, thanks so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.